Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder. Today, joining me is Mark Donegan, and we're going to talk about how to become a category king in your industry, even if it's a commodity type of industry, how you differentiate yourself in order to become a category king. But before we jump in, Mark, would you introduce yourself? Absolutely, Mark. So, hey, thanks a lot, first of all, for having me on the show. It's uh, great to be here. I am, let's see, introduce yourself. Boy, that's always a loaded question, right? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, it's always telling as to how you introduce yourself. That's so right. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, I'm a technical guy. So I actually started uh, programming. I discovered the Apple II. Now, I just gave away how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I discovered the Apple II in my, uh, let's see, in my junior high math uh, math classroom. We had like three in our school and one was, of course, there. So uh, when I was 12, you know, I started programming and really, really got into it. Uh, ended up going into computer science program. Uh, dropped out after I spent more time daydreaming about my band and being a rock star than, <laughs> than focusing on on. <laughs> learning microprocessors and all of that, uh, ended up going to music school. And uh, the reason why this is all relevant is that, you know, what I discovered along the way is, is that I didn't want to be a poor, starving musician. And so, you know, what do you do when you're creative, you like to talk to people, you like to solve problems Well, you go into sales. <laughs> so, so I, uh, started my career in sales, uh, you know, and, and, uh, played music on the side and that kind of stuff. Um, along the way, as my career began to grow and, you know, I, uh, started managing sales teams and, and that sort of thing. Um, I, I found increasingly that I was getting involved in marketing. And in some cases, it started out when I was just an individual contributor uh, doing my own newsletters. Now, this is kind of before email newsletters, although, you know, we, we could have emailed them out. But, you know, doing doing newsletters and kind of creating my own marketing materials and then eventually. Uh, I had marketing resources are reporting to me and, you know, and as these things kind of grow, when you are sort of head of sales and marketing, uh, you, you know, you're, you're kind of managing both functions, right? But uh, what was really interesting is along the way, I just increasingly found myself spending more time on the marketing front. And um, it was clearly the creative side that, you know, drew me in, but it was more than that. It was the strategy. It was the go to market. It was having to really think about, you know, how are we talking about our product? How are we talking about the company? How are we representing ourselves in the market? And, and then, you know, when you start to see that, wow, you know, marketing is really the foundation that the entire enterprise, uh, can, can, you know, kind of rise or fall on, this is pretty cool place to be. So fast forward, <laughs> I am a, a, a sales 
marketing leader, <laughs> sales-driven marketing leader who uh, has absolutely lived in the trenches. I know exactly what it's like to, you know, be fighting the good fight every day, trying to make your number, trying to drive your team to make the number. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, to uh, uh, counterbalance that with, you know, with the, the critical thinking and the insights around, okay, you know, how are we presenting ourselves and what can we do, you know, to, uh, to support the objectives of the enterprise. So, um, yeah, it's maybe a little bit diverse from some of the marketing leaders that, that you talk to, but uh, that's my background. Okay. Well, diversity is good. You get to see uh, different perspectives. You get to bring in different perspectives to new situations. So we kind of absolutely. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've, you've, you've kind of uh, come up with a four-step framework to win a market. Um, and so I'd like to start with, Step number one, which I think you define as define problem. Can you yeah. kind of walk us through how you even define the problem? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're referencing uh, something that is called category design. And, um, you know, just to just to say right up front, I am by no means the originator of this of this concept. In fact, uh, encourage strongly all of your listeners to go out and get the book called Play Bigger. Uh, Play Bigger just absolutely uh, revolutionized my world because it put, it came out in 2016, so I guess it's about five years old now. Um, but what it did was put language behind something that I was uh, already practicing, but you know how it is when you're doing something, then all of a sudden someone comes along and describes the process, you know, you're like, that's it, you know, and, and it can make you more sharp and, and more focused. So category design and uh, the whole idea behind it is that is that we don't want to be marketing the same. And, and, and yet too many marketers fall into the better, faster, cheaper or, or, or orienting their, their efforts around, you know, campaigns and the campaigns are always some variation of, Hey, we're going to, um, you, you know, we're going to invest in this, uh, particular, um, uh, channel or, you know, to, to show everyone how the new product is, is so much better than either our old product or the new product is better than, you know, the, the competitor's product or, you know, there's always this comparison game going on and the world is just too noisy now. Uh, in the world of B2B where I spend most of my time, uh, it's very interesting. Gartner, a couple of years back, put out some research that, uh, again, just really made sense to me based on what I was seeing, uh, is that is that now a buyer is is as much as 50% or even more of the way through their buying process before they even contact the first vendor. And if you think about the implication of that to marketing, it's pretty profound because I think everyone is uh, is is still oriented largely around the you know the 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 marketing funnel, you know idea the concept looks great on a PowerPoint slide. It's really you know it, it's it's great to sort of illustrate. Easy to understand. Yeah, exactly. And all the MarTech vendors orient their solutions around the funnel and you have the top of the funnel and you've got all these quote unquote strategies from the gurus of what you do at the top and the middle and the bottom. And yet the reality is a buyer is in control of the buying process. We are not. 
so the idea of, of category design in the context of this new uh, buyer's journey, which is really what we're talking about, is the fact that buyers no longer fall into this really nice prescribed funnel. You know, the idea that there's this there's this funnel and a buyer goes from step one from top of the funnel to the middle, you know, to the bottom. And and we, and we have these different tactics and strategies um, They you know, they bounce around they're, they're 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 all over the place, so to speak. And, you know, as Gartner found, buyers are now more oftentimes more than 50 percent of the way through their uh, internal buying process. Uh, before they actually contact a vendor. And so if that's true, that really has a profound impact on how we build our marketing strategies. And coming back to category design, uh, we, can, we, we can fall into playing the comparison game you know, which, which is so easy to do. And that is the, we're better, we're faster, we're cheaper, and all the variations of that kind of positioning and kind of language. Or we can do something very different. And as I'm going to illustrate a tactic that Apple used with great success, we can completely um, reframe uh, the, 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 the category, the problem we're solving by defining the problem first, clearly naming what that solution is. In other words, the name of the category, spending our time telling the market what our point of view is. In other words, you know, why does this problem need to be solved and, and why will it be good for you? And then orienting all of our efforts around this, uh, uh, concept of this category and explaining to the market. And when we do that, we will win. So let me illustrate um, based on the, I, the iPod, the Apple iPod launch. And it's super interesting because I think probably everyone's aware uh, Apple was by no means uh, early or, or first to market with a music player. In fact, they were kind of last to market. There were already some very well entrenched at the time companies that you could go into any of the con large consumer electronics stores, even go into Walmart, you know, and in the electronics section, you could find MP3 players. They were all marketed the same. They all kind of looked the same. They were kind of the same size. And on the box, it had some sort of, of memory capacity. So there was a 64 megabyte and 128 and two. 256 and you know um, way back in the day maybe it stopped at 256 but and the price went up based on memory capacity Steve Jobs gets on stage he holds up the iPod and he says a thousand songs in your pocket complete reframing of the value of what that music player does for you a thousand songs in your pocket is very different than 128 megabytes. First of all, a thousand songs in your pocket, I can relate to. <laughs> the common person can relate to that. 128 megabytes, well, I don't know. And if you're techie, of course, you go, well, it depends on the bit rate. You record the file ad, depends on the quality. You know, there's all, you know, there's all this, it depends, right? And yet Steve Jobs got up there and said 128 songs in your pocket. And what's really interesting is, is that in that single statement, he defined the problem and then basically named the category because it's a music player now. It's not an MP3 player. And 
And of course, in time, you know, they got to be called, you know, connected music players. And there were some, you know, kind of different variations there. But all of a sudden, um, Apple was able to not only just absolutely command the market, which, by the way, the category king generally captures about 76% of the market segment that they are in. So it really pays to be the category king or queen uh, of the market you're in. Um, but it was also a value proposition that now everybody could understand. So now you had grandma and grandpa who are like a thousand songs. Wow, that's cool. There was value there, right? It wasn't this techie, geeky thing like, oh, I'm, not, I'm really not technical. How do I even convert my files? It was just a thousand songs in your pocket. And Apple took what was actually a pretty um, small niche market, really geeks at the time, you know, who were largely doing illegal file sharing, you know, for MP3s. And all of a sudden they absolutely exploded the market for digital music. That is category design. And there's many, many other examples. Okay. And I know that was long-winded, but I think it was important to show what defined the problem is. Um, and you touched on this a little bit, but what about step number two, you know, kind of naming the category? Yeah. So, so naming the category is, is, is more than uh, just, you know, picking kind of a, kind of a, a cool, sexy, catchy name, you know, that we like. Uh, it, it needs to be, um, so integral into this defining the problem step that when you name the category uh, in time, the analyst, even in your space, begin to say, you know, they actually uh, track companies based on. So look at Salesforce and CRM. When you say CRM, almost everybody instantly thinks Salesforce. When you say yeah. Salesforce, they instantly think CRM. But again, Salesforce was not the first company in the market with a customer relationship management piece of software. In fact, Salesforce was all about, you know, building what really became the cloud, but, you know, changing the, the software model from ownership to rental, which is what the whole cloud model was. And, and yet you say CRM and everybody thinks Salesforce, Salesforce, CRM. And so naming the category is really, really critical. And you know that you're becoming, or you have become the king or the queen of this category. When you say CRM, the category name, and instantly your company is the one that people think of. And so that's why I love Salesforce, because the Salesforce example, because everybody again can, can, can relate to that. Okay. And so let's go to step number three, develop a point of view. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, narrative, there's a lot that's been, um, uh, you know, written. There's some tremendous books out there about how narrative and why um, the narrative is so critical in marketing today. So I think, you know, any marketer, you know, who's, who's, who's doing anything that's um, you know, that's really revolutionary, um, uh, legendary might even be a better word is, is aware that telling a story is how you talk to the market today. We're wired for story. And so the point of view is basically your story, your story of why, why is this problem significant enough that it must be solved and why should it be solved in the way that we say it should be solved? And so this is how you position yourself standing apart from the, from the masses. 
which again sounds a little bit counterintuitive because all marketers and especially in the startup world like where i spend most of my time there's there's you know everybody's thinking towards how do we get to mass market how do we get to mass market you know we're looking to scale so everything sort of implies that we actually want to get into the sea of you know sameness if you will and in reality category design you don't want to be in the sea of sameness you want to be set apart so the the point of view is if we go back to even our our example you know around um, uh, apple and and the ipod for example is that you know the point of view is is hey you know what music once music is digital it no longer needs to be confined to these shiny physical discs that have physical limitations. I can only carry so many of these around with me. Um, I have to have a laser. I have to have a motor. I have to have a mechanism to play these back. There's a much more efficient way to do that. And it's in this new category of device that's much smaller, that's much more compact, that the battery lasts longer, that I don't have to worry about it skipping. And it's called a digital music player. So that would be an example of a, of a point of view. And then you're orienting, you know, your marketing and the way that you, that you explain your product, the way you describe your product, et cetera, are all always using that framework, that idea of the point of view. Okay. So we got the last step, which is mobilize. And I find this is the, yeah. the trickiest one. So why don't you walk through how it to is. do that? Yeah. So uh, everything we talked about now, you know, first of all, defining the problem, you name the category, you develop your point of view. Um, there is, uh, this is happening at the highest executive and strategic levels in the company. Uh, what I have found is, is that if the CEO is not 110% aligned behind this, uh, ultimately this whole effort's going to fail. Um, so it, it involves, uh, because there's strategy, there's there, you have to look at the product. You have to think about the roadmap you have to. So this involves executive leadership, uh, both in terms of the CEO, the founders of the company, um, you know, the product head, obviously marketing head, uh, needs to be involved in this. sales needs to be involved in this, but by the time that you have gone through this entire process and now it's time to mobilize the company because category design cannot happen as just a marketing initiative. Okay. This isn't just now, Hey, cool. We're going to go change. You know, we're going to, we're going to update our website, the homepage, you know, to, you know, slightly tweak, uh, you know, what we're saying about the company. We're going to change out our PR boilerplate. You know, we're going to, this, this is far more detailed. And one of the strategies that is really, really, really effective is to do a concept in, in the book, play bigger. They call it lightning strikes. And the idea is, is that when you're resource constrained, which every company on some level actually is, you know, even the largest companies, but let's, you know, get a little more practical and let's talk about a startup or let's just talk about an earlier stage company where you might be resource constrained probably on, on money. So economically, but you're also resource constrained around people and to do really great marketing, uh, it takes people, right? It takes resources. So the idea of a lightning strike is rather than diffusing your marketing messages through 365 days of the year, 
and 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 sort of dribbling it out and you know you're it kind of is just you know it's sprinkled throughout right you say once a quarter or maybe every six months we are going to over a seven day or a 10 day period we are going to have a lightning strike and so it could be that there is a a large conference or an event that might be something that you organize and so you know it's owned and controlled by you it doesn't have to be but there could be something major that's happening around that and then you coordinate PR you coordinate partner announcements you coordinate all of the very you know major press interviews everything happens around these events and the whole idea is that every one of those individual activities that are focused in a very finite period of time are executed with a very clear and scripted strategy to reinforce this idea that we have defined the problem here is the name for this new category here's why it needs to exist and oh by the way we happen to actually have a solution that is perfectly suited to address this problem and this need in the market. And so that is the mobilize aspect. And, you know, mobilization occurs throughout the entire company. It occurs in product. It occurs in engineering. It occurs because it implies that there's probably specific, there might be features that need to be built and delivered by this time. The entire company gets behind this process. This is not, again, just a refresh of the website and some messaging. Okay. Well, before we wrap things up, is there anything besides the Apple iPod you'd want to bring up as an example of somebody that did this really well? Yeah. So, you know, we all, um, I, I think nowadays, um, everybody is aware that Amazon is in, um, is in a lot of businesses, right? Uh, e-commerce is the core, the, the Amazon store is the core, right? But there is AWS. And what's really interesting about AWS is that uh, AWS really defined this whole new category of cloud computing. Uh, and so you have uh, Google with their cloud offering, you have Microsoft, you have IBM, you have Oracle, you have all these other, you know, the um, uh, Chinese hyperscale companies, Tencent, Alibaba, Baidu. So there's very, very big. And all of those companies that I referenced uh, outside of Amazon are equally capable. They're extremely well resourced. They have very, very smart people. They also have been working at this whole cloud concept for a long time. And yet, who is the leader? It's AWS and cloud computing. And uh, what it is, is it's an illustration of um, how, especially in the early days, when even Google was launching their cloud offering and Microsoft was, you know, had Azure and, and yet AWS at the time. Now this is the economics, the, the, you know, the economics as the, as the market matures and as these other powerful players come up, um, the, the, the king, and again, I kind of put that in quotes, um, it, it doesn't necessarily take the same uh, percentage of economics, but uh, in the even the middle days, so as in a couple of years ago, uh, AWS was still comprising like something like 70% of the revenues in the cloud computing space. It was just absolutely um, uh, astounding. And it was, again, a testament to the fact that the leader in the space uh, get you know gets to enjoy the majority of the economics you can think about uber and lyft 
and you think about Uber and Uber's had, you know, challenges and, and, you know, it's been bumpy over the last two or three years, but Uber absolutely dominated over Lyft and you say ride sharing and people say, oh, like Uber, right? You say Uber and people think ride sharing, you know, you think of um, the uh, um, mobile operating system and interestingly enough, Android actually dominates in terms of install base uh, by a, by actually a really wide margin over iOS. And yet the economics of iOS, if you look at the iOS ecosystem and you look at the app store sales and you just look at the, you know, if you just think of kind of like the GDP of iOS versus Android. Apple absolutely dominates. I don't have the number off the top of my head, um, but I know at one time, not too long ago, I think it was like 90% of the economics. If you compared the iOS ecosystem to Android, 90% went to iOS. It was just absolutely, it just, just dominated. And so what, what are, what am I saying in these examples? I, I'm aware that on one hand, you know, uh, for those of us, and I, primarily work in small startups. And in some ways it's kind of like, okay, great. AWS. I can't even relate to AWS, Uber, you know, uh, iOS, like these seem kind of just so it, it, these examples are so big. And how can I relate that to what I'm doing, you know, in the little part of the, uh, of the world that I'm operating in. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that these same percentages are true. It's just that maybe we're not dealing in a world of billions. Maybe we're dealing in a world of hundreds of millions. Maybe we're dealing in a world of tens of millions, but that's okay. You know, if I have a market potential that's only a hundred million dollars, but guess what? I can enjoy 70 million of that hundred million. That's probably not a bad place to be, <laughs> you know, if we think about it that way. So, um, these are just really good examples, but they apply regardless of whether we're dealing with the largest tech companies and the largest ecosystems in the world, or, you know, we're kind of getting down to the, to the closer to the ground, you know, where a lot of us spend our time. Well, with that, Mark, I really appreciate you being on the show. I've learned a lot. I like this process. Uh, I hope everybody listening to it does as well. We're going to put the link to this in the show notes. Mark, is there anywhere uh, someone could reach you if they have any questions? Absolutely. So I am very easy to find on LinkedIn and, uh, I suppose, you know, you could, you could link, uh, to, to my profile there. And then my website is growth stage. So that's all one word growth stage dot marketing. So again, growth stage dot marketing. And I have a, a, a short presentation on category design. That's free. It's ungated. Just you know, you just click on it. Uh, I also have a founders marketing playbook that um, covers the all of the slides I have in category design, as well as some other really interesting things uh, that I that I talk about uh, around the flywheel, the demand generation flywheel, and jobs to be done. And you know, there's some other uh, frameworks that you know a lot of people have found really useful. Excellent. Very good. All right. So. Um... With that, uh, Mark, it's been great and uh, look forward to uh, doing, uh, you've got another topic that I'm interested in, so we'll have you back and we'll talk about that topic as well. Great, great, let's do it. I would love to, Mark. All right, thank you so much. Excellent, thank you. <laughs>